This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now, here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. We're considering Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, which reads, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Today we look to Jesus to add up all the grief and hostility, all the bone-wearing, soul-crushing experiences that Christ endured, and that we are to keep all of this in mind when we are facing great opposition and feeling the cost of the struggle and hurting in it. And when, as a result, we're tempted to step out of the race that's set before us, we're to remember that Jesus leads us in the race by example. He presses on through contradictions of life set against him, and we're to follow him by doing the same thing. And so today I have three words for you, and the first word here is the word calculation. Our passage says, consider him. There's a Greek word there, and it's the only time it's used in the New Testament, that word for consider him, and it means to calculate. It means to run a computation on the life. It's actually to compare a series of things, of deficits and of additions, and to put them all together and to gather all that information and to understand it. Actually, just one verse prior to this, we we're told that we're to run the race looking unto Jesus. And now we're told not simply to look at him, but look deeply into his life and compare it with all others and with our own. Hebrews chapter 3, 1 tells us that we're to consider Jesus. Some months ago, it was probably more than a year ago when we spoke on that passage, we noted that that actually is the primary duty of the Christian. The primary role in the Christian life that we have is to consider Jesus. It's to be considering his life and watching his life and observing his life. The primary duty is to contemplate Christ, to hold his life in a consideration before everything we do and everything we say and everything we think and not to do it simply because we're trying to come to a determination as to what our moral and ethical choices should be in life. In other words, we're to consider Christ's life, but we're not to do it simply so we can determine what kind of car Jesus would buy so we're driving the same car, or who it would be that Jesus would vote for, or what political position Jesus would take so we can take the same political position. We're to consider Him so that we could know Him more, so we could know Him, so that we could daily begin to engage Him in enter into a deeper and deeper, more profound relationship with Him. We're to consider Him as though He were just ahead of us, leading us. As though He were just inside of us, moving within us to carry out His purposes. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's just how it is. That's how it is. Paul actually bears witness to this duty of the Christian life in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And you can go there. Paul is bearing witness of his own experience, his own attitude towards this duty to consider Christ. There he says this. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'll just read certain points in it and you might follow through. I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord 
that I may win Christ and be found in Him, be found in Christ, that, in verse 10, that I may know Him. It's the duty of the Christian to make it the purpose of their very being and their mind to know the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Himself has commanded us and told us that the greatest command is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. The passage that we've just read in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, it's our minds that are being called into this work. We're to calculate something. This is not simply a lazy, undirected thinking of Christ. This is not simply a dreamy retrospective or recollection of things that we find wonderful and charming about our Savior. We're being called to an active, thoughtful calculation and consideration of the life of Christ. We're to lay it out before ourselves on a regular basis. And particularly, we're to think about it when we're suffering. When we're challenged to quit. When we're challenged to back out from our own commitments. Stop for a moment and consider the life of Christ. Calculate it. Lay it out before you. So that's my first word to you. It's the word to count and recount all that Christ has done and all that Christ still does and think of all that He would still continue to do in your life and through your life, who He has been, who He is, and who He ever will be. Calculate it. Calculate it in your minds. Here's the second word for you in this. It says, consider or calculate the contradictions that Christ experienced at the hands of sinners. And the word here is contradiction. The contradiction When you're ready to think that you've suffered more than others, when you're ready to think maybe you've actually been pressed beyond what others are being pressed to, maybe beyond what you should be expected to endure and what you should be expected to bear, and you're ready to say, I've had enough, this is enough. You're told at that moment to calculate the measure of contradiction between the life of Christ and his character, and his person, and his mission, and the opposition that was set against him. In some of your texts, again, the word is opposition or hostility, and those are part of the meaning of this word, but actually the word actually has within it this nuance of contradiction. It's the contradiction in the opposition. It's the contradiction in the hostility that's to be focused upon. You and I at times experience opposition, but it's not necessarily a contradiction to us. Sometimes we were opposed because we opposed. Sometimes we experienced hostility because we were hostile, right? We have these experiences where we engage with individuals and there's really not a contradiction that's going on with one another. There's actually a sense in which we're complying with one another. You lip off at me, I lip off at you. You know, you shoot at me, I shoot at you. It happens in nations all the times. You tariff me, I send tariffs against you, right? You build your weapons, I build my weapons. There's no contradiction here. There's opposition, there's hostility, but there's no contradiction. You're actually complying with one another. You're actually involved in some kind of social dance with one another. You're cooperating in a way with one another and reacting with one another in a a seemingly, well, it makes sense what's happening here, but When the Lord Jesus experienced hostility and opposition, it was always, always, always a contradiction to himself. It always came in contradiction to who he was. He blessed, men cursed him. He healed, they sought to destroy him. 
He visited with holy love, and they rejected him with an unholy animosity. There's no one, no one, no one who suffered such contradiction between what was in his heart and who he was in all of his being and what he sought to do in all his actions and what was offered in response to those things than what came to the Lord Jesus himself. I actually know the kind of suffering that bruises us the most. You know, the kind of rejection and sorrow and opposition that stings and hurts us the most. It's when we've labored for someone and then they bite the hand that feeds them. It's when we know, whether, whether all of it was pure, we know deep down, whether we always did the right thing, we know deep down that our intent was to help and to bless and our efforts to help and bless and serve are met with rejection and accusation and suspicion. David speaks of this burning and the burning of this sad experience in Psalm 35. Actually, he speaks about it in a number of different psalms. This tragic offering of animosity and resentment towards him when his heart was to bless and benefit and do good. He offers up a lament at the contradiction between his actions and those that he cared for. Psalm 35, let me read to you verses 11 through 16. And in this case, I want to read it to you in the New International Version. Psalm 35, verses 11 through 16. David writes, he's complaining here to God. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave me like one who is bereaved, sorrowing, mourning. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. And when my prayers returned to me unanswered, when his prayers for them returned unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Assailants gathered against me without my knowledge. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked and they gnashed their teeth at me. They delighted in his sorrow and his suffering. Aha! See? He is who we thought he was. See what he's suffering? This has to have been from God. That's the type of thing that's going on here. There's in David's lament here, I think, a place for every one of you to find some moment in your life when your commitment to serve Christ or minister to others or even and your commitment to simply just do good to somebody else was met with a surprising and stinging rejection and animosity. It may have just been a brief moment. For others, it may be a chronic event. It may have been a catastrophe at one moment in time in your life, but it's happened to almost all of us in one way or another. You tell me, is that, not, is that not the most grievous kind of opposition and hostility? You kind of handle it when your enemy shoots at you, right? But when your friend or someone you loved or someone you cared for or someone you gave yourself for and who you thought you were living in self-sacrifice towards, it's painful, it's difficult hurts. It's very often when someone might come for counseling and talk about some challenge they have in their home or this is the thing that it comes down to. There are other things that compounded it or complicated it and the reality is they might not have been as golden as they thought they were and they may have done a number of things that were wrong and they didn't see it and 
might help them to mitigate it, but the thing that hurts is that, that sense of rejection. So there's room to find our place in David's lament, but don't stop there. David's psalms are prophetic psalms. When David writes his psalms, he is expressing something in his own experience, but David almost always goes beyond his own experience in what he's saying because he's not simply writing about himself. The Spirit of God is authoring in David a ode or a delivery of a statement, a declaration of not what's happening or going to happen to David, but what is going to happen to one of his sons, the son of David, Jesus Christ. David is prophetically reaching out and exploring and describing the deep, profound encounter of the lament that comes upon our Savior, which is fully met in Jesus Christ, as it has been met in no one else before or after. If you experience the great deep sorrow of the contradiction between your well-meaning life and someone's antagonistic response, and it stings, it's only a very small example and lesson what Christ profoundly experienced throughout his life. His life was one of constant confrontation of contradiction between who he was and what he intended and what he longed for and how he was met by men. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. For a copy of this message, just call us at 208-331-4096. Or to learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Please join us again as we share with you food from our table. Until the next time, God bless you.